Today, we get to look at the life of one of the biggest failures in the Bible. One of the biggest failures in the Bible. You know, the Bible is full of people who have really, really, really messed up their lives. It's full of them. Yet, it's full of people who have messed up their lives, but God uses their messed up lives to glorify him. Because God forgives, restores, and uses us for his glory. And being a failure is a prerequisite to being a Christian. Do you know that? Like if you were registering for Christian, intro to Christianity, the only prerequisite is be a loser. <laughs> That's all it takes. To be a Christian, you, you must um, humbly admit that you are a failure and you can't do it on your own. That's step one to being a Christian. And we are all in this together. We are all failures in one way or another. We've all failed God. We've all sinned. We all fall short of the glory of God. That's all of us. We're all in this together. We're all sinners. We've all failed God, our families, our friends. We, we are all in this together. So, so let's, let's get this right this morning. We are all failures in need of forgiveness and restoration. That's all of us, all of us in the room. So if you walked in today, with regrets from your past, feeling guilty about things that you've said and done in your past, if you walked in feeling like you've messed up far too much for God to be able to use you, if you feel any of those things, you're in the right place. Well, welcome um, to church this morning. Welcome to the club. You are, you are currently gathered around a bunch of other failures who need forgiveness and restoration. Do you see what we're doing here? We're saying we're, we're all on, the, on a level playing field. We're all in this together. We are all in need of forgiveness and restoration. You are in the right place. So drop the pride, take off the mask, and admit you're a failure along with the rest of us. Take a deep breath because you're exactly where you need to be. Jesus forgives every sin and continually calls us back to obedience. That's the point of the sermon today, and this is why this is good news for you. If you walked in feeling like a failure, or if you're ready to admit, yeah, I'm a failure, we have good news this morning from the word that Jesus forgives every sin and continually calls us back to obedience. That's the good news that we're going to unpack today. And the failure that we're looking at in the Bible is Peter, as we've already read. Specifically, our text is verses 15 through 19. But in order to, to fully understand what's going on in this text, we need to know a little bit of background and context of Peter's life as we go. Peter was a fisherman from Galilee, kind of a just country, normal, kind of blue-collar guy, just doing what he needed to do to feed his family. And he gets called to follow Jesus. Just a normal guy that gets called to follow Jesus. And then the portrait that we get throughout the rest of the Gospels uh, of Peter, kind of what we see of his life, is that he's always the one to step up and speak on behalf of the other disciples. You know, he's always the one that's, that's ready, to, he's ready to go. He's ready to, to say, he's ready to step up, he's kind of ready to lead. You know, he, he's chomping at the bit. That's sort of the portrait we get of Peter. He's ready to make these big commitments and these big statements 
And uh, a lot of times, most of the time, they're great statements. He, he, he really is um, a, a good example a lot of times. And just like you and I, maybe, uh, we have moments of what we might call spiritual highs. You know, these moments in our, in our lives as we're following Jesus where it, everything's really going well. We feel like, yeah, we're, I mean, we're, we're doing good. I feel good. My relationship with the Lord is, is, is good. We, we have these moments of, of highs and we make these um, sweeping declarations. Have you ever thought or said anything like this? Even if you haven't declared it, you thought it in your mind like, yes, Lord. I, I am, I am going to follow you, trust you, obey you for the rest of my days with all that I am. You know, we make these declarations in our hearts like, yes, this is going to be it. Or similarly, when it comes to maybe fighting our sin, uh, we'll, we'll make these declarations when we're at our best, feeling our best, and we'll say, yeah, I am, I am never going to go back to that. You know, I'm, I've turned away from it for good. I'm never going to fill in the blank. I'm never going to look at pornography again. I'm never going to steal again. What, whatever it is, fill in the blank. You, we make these declarations, right? When we're at sort of our, our high and we're like, we're never going to do this again. And just like Peter, we all have these ups and downs as we're following Jesus. And that's the Christian life. That we all have these ups and downs, these moments of what we call, might call highs and we also have lows. Peter had them too. You might remember in, in Peter's life in Matthew 16, he is the one when Jesus asks, who do, who, do, who do you say that I am? He's asking, what's my identity? What do the people say? And Peter says, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. The first one to declare that Jesus was the Christ. And uh, Jesus praises Peter for this. And he says, upon that foundation, I will build my church. Pretty massive moment in the life of Peter. Or one of my favorite moments in John chapter 6, when Jesus has just said some troubling things. He's gone on to talk about how uh, in order to have eternal life, you need to eat his flesh and drink his blood. And uh, things are getting a little weird in the life of, of following Christ. And all of these people turn away. And they stop following Jesus after Jesus says these troubling things. And then Jesus turns to the 12, the disciples, Peter being one of them, and says, do you want to go away too? And then Peter says, um, Lord, where else, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. So Peter has these moments. He, he's the one that declares that Jesus is the Messiah. He's the one to step up and say, Lord, where else are we going to go? You have the words of eternal life. I, I, cannot, I cannot not trust you and follow you. Peter is the one that's saying these things, making these declarations, having these spiritual highs. And maybe you can relate in one way or another with Peter in these. And we see all of these moments in Peter's life. Last one that I'll, I'll mention um, is a beautiful declaration from Peter. It's in John chapter 13. And Jesus has just told his disciples that he, he is going to go to the cross, that he has to um, go lay down his life, that he has to die. And he tells the disciples, but you, you cannot follow me where, where I'm going. It's like saying, you can't follow me to the cross. And Peter um, speaks up and says, Lord, why can I not follow you now? I will lay down my life for you. So this is Peter always ready to, to make a, a big sweeping declaration, these big statements. Hey, I'm, I'm never going anywhere, Jesus. I'm going to follow you the rest of my days. I will lay down my life for you. This is the picture that we get of Peter. 
And we see all of these moments in Peter's life. He makes these big claims. He's never leaving Jesus. He says, I would die for you. And maybe you've had some of these moments in your life where you might look like, yeah, I mean, we, it, was a, it was a good, you know, kind of stretch of time there. It was really, uh, really connecting with the Lord, ma- making these big declarations. I was confident in my faith, feeling good about my walk with the Lord. I've been there. We all have these ups, um, but we all have the lows as well. And as the story of Peter's life goes on, he has one of the biggest failures of all time. I mean, it's got to be. In, in the course of human history, this has got to be one of the biggest failures of all time. After Jesus was arrested, Peter follows them where, where they're going outside the high priest's house. And uh, he's outside the house and a servant girl asks Peter, you're not, you're not one of this man's disciples, are you? Peter said, I'm not. John chapter 18, verse 18, says a very specific detail about that they were around a charcoal fire. It says that they were standing outside of a charcoal fire and they were keeping warm. And it goes on, and the people that are standing around this fire keeping warm, again, um, asks Peter, you also are not one of his disciples, are you? And he denied it and said, I am not. And then again, one more asked, did I not see you, Peter? Did I not see you in the garden with him? And Peter again denied it. And just like Jesus said would happen, a rooster crowed. Jesus had predicted beforehand that the rooster will crow after you have denied me three times. Just, as, just like Jesus predicted would happen, it happened. So we have Peter at this moment of epic failure. He has denied Christ, not once, not twice, but three times, turned his back on Jesus, denied that he even knew him. Just days before where he said, Lord, I would lay down my life for you. And now he's turned his back on him three times. I don't know if you've ever had a massive failure like this in your life. Where you you, you have... um, turned your back on Jesus, whether it's with your actions, you've denied him, you've fallen back into sin that you said you wouldn't fall back into, or you have not spoken up and, uh, and, and spoke truth when you know you should have. What, we, we can all have these massive failure moments in our lives. We all have them. <laughs> we, are, we are all in this together, right? Um, but that brings us to our text today. We've seen the life of Peter. Maybe you and I can relate to him in one way or another. We all can in that we are all failures. We do not live the perfect life. And that brings us to our text today. In John 21, 15 through 19, the resurrected Jesus is with his disciples and they've just eaten some food and John was very specific to note that now they are around a charcoal fire. They're around a charcoal fire. And one commentator, Jim Hamilton, said, um, Jesus seeks to reverse at this charcoal fire what happened at the other one. You see, I I love that little detail there. Why why would John put that in there? That back in um, earlier when Peter denied Jesus three times, they were standing around a charcoal fire, and now here they are around another fire where Jesus is going to reverse what happened at the other one. The first thing we see in verse 15 is that Jesus addresses 
and forgives our past pride. Verse 15, Jesus addresses and forgives our past pride. Look back at verse 15 with me. When they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Why in verse 15 does Jesus say, do you love me more than these? What, what, are, the, what are the these that he's talking about? Maybe he was talking about like the, the fish or the fishing equipment because that would have been around them at the time. So this would have been effectively Jesus saying, Peter, do you love me more than your work? Which that would have been a fair question to ask. But probably what Jesus is getting at, he's asking Peter, do you love me more than these other disciples do? Okay. Now, why would Jesus ask this? Why, why would Jesus ask Peter if he loves him more than the other disciples? Well, think about what we know about Peter. Peter was the one that, would, that was always ready to speak up. He was ready to, to act on behalf of the disciples and make these declarations. He was the one that was ready to say, Jesus, you're the Messiah. He was the one that was ready to say, Jesus, I'm not going anywhere. I would lay down my life for you. So Peter, it seems, would have been the one that could have had something to personally boast about. He, he could have been the one to, to rely on his past actions and what he has done in order to prove to Jesus that he loved him. Okay, do you see? Um, now this is like, uh, it's like Jesus is saying to Peter, hey Peter, you were pretty confident that you would never deny me. And you even said that you, even if everybody else fall away, that you would never fall away. Do you remember he saying that? What do you think about that now? This, this is Jesus addressing specifically Peter. What his, his specific um, sinful tendencies, it seems, was, was to be given to pride. And Jesus is addressing it specifically to Peter. Saying, how, how do you feel about those bold declarations now that you would never leave, that you would lay down your life for me, that even if everybody else fell away, that you would never fall away? What do you think about that now? Peter had some pride, but Jesus is addressing it and he's humbling him. He's teaching him something here. And we need the same type of humbling in our lives because the Christian life is not a comparison game. Do you know that? The Christian life is not a comparison game. That, that's prideful when it becomes that way. Our danger is to look at what other people are doing and compare ourselves to them. And to say, well, um, at least I'm doing better than them. At least I'm not doing that. <laughs> or, or at least I've done this and, and other people haven't. Like I'm doing pretty good, right? Our, our tendency is to want to compare ourselves to other people and take our own works and, and to kind of build ourselves up. But that's actually a, a prideful tendencies. We can look around at other people and if we're doing better than them, we think that we're in the clear. However, what happens when, like Peter, we're found out? <laughs> what happens when our, um, you know, our trying to look really good, what, what happens when it crumbles? What happens when we turn our backs on Jesus, whether by actions or by words? What happens when we deny Christ with our lives and the facade comes crumbling down? Then what do we have to rely on? Because it's not about looking back and saying, remember what I did back then? 
Jesus. So what, what happens when it all comes tumbling down? Well, like Peter, Jesus addresses it and he forgives it. And the same is, is true for, for you today. No matter if you walked in having some sort of massive failure this week, you could have been engaged in some terrible sin that you would never want to tell anybody about. But Jesus addresses and forgives it. And notice how Peter responds. Peter, Peter's getting it here. We're going we're to make this connection. Peter responds, Lord, you know that I love you. He says, you know that I love you. Um, Peter specifically appeals to Jesus's knowledge of his love because if anybody was keeping score, it would not look like Peter loved Jesus. Do you see? If we were keeping score on Peter's life, the last thing that he did, um, if somebody asked, does that guy love Jesus? The answer would have been an emphatic no. He just denied him three times. So Peter realizes <laughs> it's not about what I have done. My standing before you, Jesus, is not about my actions. It's about your love. It is about your knowledge of me, Jesus. It is not about the things that I have done. It can't be. And that's what Peter is realizing here. That's what Jesus is teaching him. And for you and I today, our love and acceptance by Jesus cannot be dependent upon what somebody else says about us. Previously, Peter might have been able to say, um, yes, Lord, you know that I love you because I cut that dude's ear off for you. Or Peter could have said, yes, Lord, you know that I love you because I am the one that declared you were the Messiah. Yes, Lord, you know that I love you because I am the one that said I would lay down my life for you. You know that I love you because I am the one that said you have the words of eternal life and there's nowhere else we can go. You see, Peter could have boasted to Jesus and said, yeah, you know that I love you because of what I've done for you. But instead, Peter's humbled by Jesus and says, Lord, you know that I love you. It can't, it can't be about any of my outward actions or my behavior. It is solely about what you have done for me, Jesus. Nothing else. And you and I have to come to that humbling reality too. That our standing before Jesus and our forgiveness by Jesus is dependent upon his love for us, not upon our um, actions or our, the intensity of our love for him. It is all about what Jesus has done for us, not about what we have done for Jesus when it comes to proving or showing our love. It's all about what Jesus has done for us, not our own works. And maybe Jesus is addressing your pride this morning. Maybe you've been comparing yourself to others, um, thinking that that really makes you something in the eyes of the Lord. That you can prove your love somehow by working harder, by doing things. But let Jesus, by his spirit, address and forgive your pride this morning. May we come to Jesus like Peter saying, Lord, you know that I love you. And I want to follow in obedience with you, but it's not about me. It's about what you have done. We need to come to that humbling reality this morning. Jesus addresses and forgives our pride. And next in verses 16 and 17, Jesus addresses and forgives every time we have denied him. Jesus addresses and forgives every time we've denied him. Let's look at verses 16 and 17 again. He said to him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. 
He said to him, tend my sheep. In verse 17, he said to him the third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. I think that verse 17 is one of the most beautiful, tragic, and hopeful verses in all of the Bible. Peter was grieved because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? Peter was grieved because Jesus was addressing every single time Peter denied him. Every single time. Peter knew what Jesus was doing and he was broken by it. Because that's what happens when we really start to grasp that Jesus knows, addresses, and forgives every single time we have sinned. Every single time he forgives, he addresses, and he forgives it. And Peter is broken by it. And I'm broken by it too. Because the, the love of Jesus here, shown to Peter, and now extended to you and I, it's almost too much to handle, isn't it? Like, every single time, um, this kind of love is, is overwhelming. I mean, does Jesus really have to address every single sin? I mean, couldn't a, a generalization just done the same? Like, hey, Peter, I forgive you. I forgive you of your past. It's all good, buddy. You know, let's move on. I know that that thing happened. We don't even really need to talk about it. Let's just move on. I forgive you of your past. Let's, let's move on. But Jesus doesn't do that with Peter here, and he doesn't do it with us either. Our sin is too hurtful, and it's too heinous for it to be ignored. We can't just sweep these things under the rug. God can't sweep it under the rug, which is why Jesus had to go to the cross to pay for our sin, every single one of them. And Jesus wants us to know the depth of his love by addressing and forgiving every single one of our sins. In our world at large, but even within the church, we, uh, we've lost kind of the proper weight uh, and understanding of sin. We want to brush it under the rug. We want to act like it's sort of no big deal and we want to move on. But that's not what Jesus does. It's like Jesus is teaching Peter and he's teaching us You must acknowledge every sin as much as it hurts and receive forgiveness for every sin so that you know the depth of my love. That's what Jesus is is teaching Peter and teaching us today. Even though it, it hurts more than anything, For us to have to acknowledge, for for Jesus to know our every single sin, the, the deepest, the darkest parts of our heart, he knows, he addresses it, and he forgives it. Not just a generalized, like, hey, you know, your past is forgiven, but every single time. This hurts. (laughs) It hurts. But but it is um It is a pain that demonstrates a a, a love that is unlike any other. I'm just remembering this now in um, Chronicles of Narnia. If you've seen the, read the books or or seen the show, you you remember Eustace, 
who is the, the cousin, isn't that his name? That he's, he's like a terrible kid, right? He's the worst. Uh, he, he is, no, nobody likes him. And in one of the books, I can't remember which one it is off the top of my head, he turns into a dragon, okay? And this dragon has, um, has chains around him and, and they're very painful. And the only thing that he, he can do to get them off is, is for a claw to go in and to cause this pain, but it's the only way to get these chains off is if he's cut a little bit and, and to, to take them off. And, and that's what this is like. Like it, it's gonna cause us some pain and some difficulty to get the chains of our sin off so we can walk in freedom. We can't just ignore it. We can't just sweep it under the rug. It has to be addressed. It has to be dealt with. And it might cause us a little bit of pain, but it is because Jesus loves you and I so much that he would cause this pain in order for us to walk in freedom and obedience to him. Do you see? That's what Peter is doing here. It grieved him and it should grieve you and I, but only as much as we receive that forgiveness and then walk in obedience. And you may have sin in your life currently or something in your past that you've never confessed that you've been walking with it's been holding you back it's like shackle always in the back of your mind kind of just hoping nobody finds out about it we've all had things like this in our lives before but I I would pray this morning that um, you would have in faith a conversation with Jesus like Peter where he addresses every single one of your sins because he knows and he loves you. And I pray that today will be a time where we would confess it, (laughs) that we would receive that forgiveness and healing and then walk in obedience as a result. Could be something from your past, haunting you, a secret addiction, whatever it is. Let's bring it to the light this morning and receive forgiveness this morning. That brings us to our last point. Jesus addresses and commands our future. Jesus addresses and commands our future. So we've talked about our past. We've talked about our sin. But now Jesus is going to address the right now and where we're headed. In verses 18 and 19. Truly, truly, I say to you, when you were young, this is Jesus speaking, um, you used to dress yourself and walk wherever you wanted. But when you're old, talking to Peter, you will stretch out your hands and another will dress you and carry you where you do not want to go. This he said to show by what kind of death he was to glorify God. And after saying this, he said to him, follow me. Jesus restores Peter and then calls him back to obedience. Peter's specific call was to feed Jesus' sheep. He, he was called to be a pastor, basically. That was Peter's role. And we see him fulfilling this in 1 Peter chapter 5 and, and on. We see Peter walking in obedience. But more generally for Peter, And more generally for you and I today, our future is to be obedient to Jesus in following him. That's what you and I are being called to today in general, to be obedient to following Jesus. You see, the fact that Jesus addresses and forgives every single one of our sin is not a license for us to sin. It's a license for us to be broken by our sin and then to walk in obedience and holiness. Peter had a moment in life where he was called to follow Jesus. You can read about it in all the beginning of the Gospels. There was a moment where, where Peter was called to, to follow Jesus. And then he went through ups and downs in life. He denied Jesus with his life. He, he, he was sinful, but he needed forgiveness. The same as you and I. 
I pray that there was a moment where you were called to follow Jesus and if not today is that day. You're being called to follow Jesus and then we go through ups and downs in our lives where there's really good times, we have some great moments in following Christ and then we have some really low moments of following Christ, just like Peter. Just like Peter. Um, and today... After all that, Jesus is forgiving, restoring, and continually calling us to obedience. Just like Peter. Same is true for you and I. Also, um, of course, when there's been good moments, there have been moments where we've turned our backs on Jesus. We've denied him with our words and our actions. And still yet, we've come to today, to this moment, Jesus addressing our sin, forgiving us, and calling us back to obedience. Just like Peter, Jesus has a ministry and a mission for you. Do you believe that? Jesus has a mission and a ministry for every single one of you. You have the opportunity to love people, to tell them about Jesus, to live out the way of Jesus in your life, being salt and light in the world, bringing the gospel, what Jesus has done to save you, to bear on every area of your life. Your work, your family, your relationships, the gospel, what Jesus has done should inform it. That's the future that Jesus is commanding you to, to follow him in obedience, to receive the forgiveness for every single one of our sins and know he's continually calling you to obedience, to following him. And I'm gonna end with this. Our uh, band's gonna come back up and we're gonna respond in worship. But remember the, the declaration that, that Peter made and in, in, uh, that we read earlier in John 13 where he said, Lord, I will lay down my life for you. You remember Peter said that? At, his, at his, one of his greatest moments where Peter says, I will lay down my life for you. We had this awesome moment, right? And then not long after, Peter denies Jesus. But listen to this. By God's grace alone, for you and I today, our declarations at our best moments that we're gonna follow Jesus no matter what, that, that we're gonna turn away from that sin, that we're never gonna go back to it, that we're gonna walk in obedience, we're gonna be pure, we're gonna be holy, we're gonna tell people about Jesus, we're gonna walk in obedience. Those moments that we have where we declare it, by God's grace alone, they will come true if you allow Jesus to forgive you and you commit to walk in obedience to him. Because... Um, Jesus predicted how Peter was going to glorify God by his death. That's what's happening in verses 18 and 19. And church tradition holds that Peter was crucified during the persecution of Christians under Nero's reign in the mid-60s AD. Okay? So Jesus predicted how Peter was going to glorify God by his death. So what we see... It, is true is that when Jesus said that he would spread out his hands, we now understand to know that this was Peter spreading out his hands upon the cross beams of the cross to give his life for the cause of Christ. So, hat tip to F.F. Bruce for this idea, but Peter's declaration, I will lay down my life for you, though delayed, was ultimately fulfilled. So do you see that 
our, our best moments, our highest moments, when we're ready to, to walk in purity, obedience, we're ready to be evangelists for the Lord, we're ready, to, we're ready to take on the world on Christ's behalf. Those moments of, of high points and declarations for us can and will come true, Lord willing, by his grace alone, if we allow Jesus to restore us, to forgive us for the times that we've denied him and walk in obedience. So, if you've made those declarations before, um, but you've fallen into sin, you've turned your back, you've fallen away, hear the words of Jesus restoring you today. Come to him humbly today and say, Lord, you know that I love you. And then hear him saying, follow me. Come to him humbly today. We hope you are encouraged and challenged by what you heard today. If you'd like more information about Champion Forest Baptist Church, our service times, or how you can get connected, visit us at championforest.org. Thanks so much. Have a great day, and God bless.